One day at a time. This little mantra has become sort of a a principle of operation for me during pandemic time. One day at a time. I find that very difficult, actually, because if you, if you take those little personality tests that indicate, you know, what your default kind of preferences are, I'm a intuition, intuiting kind of person. I mean, I, I want to perceive where things are going, the, the big picture, rather than just concretely what's in front of me. The way I make sense of what am I going to do today is by looking at, well, what does it mean? in the big picture. I want to know, what does it mean? And the pandemic has caused me, in any way, to have to kind of readjust because I just don't know uh, even what the next week might hold. And now you might be thinking, well, Father Sean, that's always true, okay? You don't know if you have another day or two or years. And that is always true. So at least for me, the the pandemic is a, a little bit of a a correction, as it were, to my normal way of thinking in which I, I like to see the whole thing. And I, I think I know where it's going. can't do that in pandemic time. I literally have to get up each day and I, I've had to say, what is, what is the thing or the couple things that I need to accomplish today as, as if, you know, later today someone's going to give the message that this new thing is closed or this happened or what if I get the coronavirus and there's just only one day at a time right now. And so it's been really interesting though, because I've almost gotten used to it, to, to find a new kind of peace in not always having to worry about the big picture. Because here's what happens when you've, you've got a big picture in mind, you know, 99% of which has not happened yet. All you've really got before you is the 1% going on right now. If we are always looking What does this mean in the big scale of things? We have a tendency to set expectations. And then we get upset when what is actually happening right here and right now doesn't quite fit the way we thought it should go or the way it fits in the big picture. This is a little bit what's going on in our gospel today. The famous story of these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Jesus himself comes along and and walks with them, but they don't recognize him. And there are all kinds of speculation as to why that would be. And whatever it is, Jesus' resurrected body is not quite so simply able to be discerned uh, as it was before his resurrection. For some reason, he is hidden from their eyes through no fault of their own, probably. But the the line that, that most gets me in this whole thing is that they stop and it says that they are looking downcast, that they are sad. What a a great kind of image for maybe what it looks like when we are just almost feeling desolation and depression pressing in on us, all the the weight of the world. And, And I think a lot of us can maybe right now relate to this kind of state. We might be tempted just to stop and feel sad and and look down. Because after all, we have expectations for how our lives should be going right now. Well, the disciples here, they, they give us a recounting of their expectations. 
Well, this is all the things that have happened. This happened, and then, you know, the chief priest and the, the leaders, they, they handed him over and, and put him to death. And, and then we get to it. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. We, we can almost hear the sadness in that. But we were hoping, as in we used to hope, and now we don't. Now we're sad. Because what we had hoped, now it can't happen. Okay, they had in mind their picture of the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. This is wonderful. Notice, these are people who have faith. They're his disciples. They're hoping that Jesus, knowing that he's the Messiah, is going to displace Roman authority, uh, restore the kingdom of Israel, name whatever would have been going on at that time, we had hoped. We were hoping. We used to hope that he was the Messiah and he would do these things. But now, our hope has been dashed. We were, we were wrong. You know, disappointment. You just hear it. Notice that they are disappointed because their expectations have now seemingly not been fulfilled. Notice that when God fails to fulfill our expectations, it normally ends up bigger and better than we thought. It's a little bit what St. Peter is getting to in our our first reading today. He's using a, a great example. Notice he's speaking to Jewish people. So in order to kind of expand their minds about expectations, he's saying, all right, you know King David. And of course, he's speaking to a Jewish audience. He says, you who are Jews. All right, so he's going to talk about King David. Well, everybody knows about King David. Okay, well, one of the things that King David said that set up a great series of expectations is that God had made a covenant with him, that God himself told David your dynasty will last forever. It will never know corruption. It will never be destroyed. All right, well, at the, the time of Jesus, where was King David? Dead. Peter points it out right there. Um, brothers and sisters, I can confidently say to you about the patriarch David that he died. He was buried. His tomb is with us to this day. Okay, how does that square then with this bit from the psalm that Peter uses right before that when it's saying that, no, no, I will not abandon his soul to the netherworld, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. All right, so he's, he's kind of hitting a sore point for the Jews. You know, they had their expectation that the dynasty of David would last forever. Well, the, the last king of David, the last line in his succession... Uh, the Babylonians came. They killed every one of his sons in front of his eyes. And then just so that would be the last thing that he would see, they then blinded him by putting out his eyes and drug him into exile in Babylon. And that was the last we knew of the dynasty of David. So up gets Peter on Easter or Pentecost morning and says, hey, remember how God promised the reign of David would go on forever? And it's like, yeah, we, we remember that didn't work out so well. Peter's saying, no, 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 your expectations are too small. Okay, 
God was promising something way bigger than you're thinking, not just the, the earthly dynasty of David. How could that be? Never know corruption. The body of David is right over there. His tomb is with us. That prophecy cannot possibly be fulfilled in the way you thought it would. It can't be that there will be an earthly king of David because that's done. David's dead and rotting in his grave and there is no successor. Except, let me tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. He's the one that fulfills that prophecy. He's the one, the son of David, that has come and fulfilled the prophecy in a way you never imagined because indeed he doesn't know corruption. Not because he didn't die, but because he did die and he conquered death and he's risen to this day and you are the ones that killed him. Let me tell you about it. See what Peter is doing. He's expanding the expectation. You thought that this prophecy would be fulfilled one way? What's well, actually been fulfilled in a way none of us ever imagined. Way bigger than just David himself living forever. That's what we see in the gospel then. We go back to these apostles. We had hoped, but now we don't. Well, Jesus is there. Notice it says to break open the scriptures, to say, okay, this isn't the first time that God promised something and then seemed not to fulfill it, but then surpassed expectations. When Jesus, it says, revealed everything in scripture, that was spoken about him in the prophets. He's doing exactly what, what Peter later did. He's saying, okay, these prophecies, you're just not thinking big enough. Because he talked in the prophecies, like in Isaiah, that the, the servant of God would be put to death and yet be victorious. You're not thinking big enough. And we're later told that, yeah, their, their hearts start to find hope again. It's described as a kind of burning in their hearts. They're starting to think, well, yeah, maybe, maybe it could be bigger than I thought. Maybe, maybe there's more. And they're, they're getting stirred up, but they, they don't know quite what for yet. And so then all, all they can say is they get to the place where they're going and they're just, Lord, just, just stay with us. Mane nobiscum dominum. Stay with us, Lord. Because whatever he's got, they, they want. And they're not even sure why at this point, but they want it. And that's when Jesus is able to break apart their expectations. No longer are they sad. They're, they're starting to have hope again. And Jesus fulfills that hope in a way that they never expected. He takes bread and he does the same thing that he did for the, the 5,000 with the loaves. He does the, the same thing that he would have done in the upper room on the night of the Last Supper. He takes bread, blesses it, breaks the bread, and gives it to them. And St. Luke tells us that at that moment, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. Now, we would think that at, at that moment, they've got the best thing that they could ever hope to have. They've got Jesus back. How amazing is that? And yet, Jesus once again kind of overturns the expectations. He does more than what they think. Because even then, having Jesus back, they think this has got to be the greatest thing ever. 
oh my gosh, our expectations have completely blown apart. How foolish we were not to believe. And then Jesus does one even greater. Because they have the Eucharistic bread right there, it says that Jesus vanishes from their sight. There's lots of talk about, well, why? Why vanish? Why does Jesus disappear? Well, because as great as it is that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive, there's something even greater. And that is that Jesus, of course, before he died, promised us that he would remain with us forever. And in the celebration of the the Eucharist, we have something even greater than if the risen Lord were visibly present to us right now. We have low expectations, I think. How many times do we think, gosh, it would be great if Jesus were here? And we use those words. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus were here? Well, he's going to be here on, on the altar. He will be present in the breaking of bread for us. His presence is so real in this that it's even better than if Jesus were physically right here. And if we don't realize that, it's just that our expectations are too small. Jesus himself tells us as he's ascending to heaven that it is better for you that I go because he intends to send the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see Peter doing in our first reading. He is right after this. It, it, it says that they think all the apostles are drunk because they're so prophesying in the, in the spirit. They're doing things that are so amazing that no one could have imagined. That's the the essence of a lot of the Christian story. God surpassing our expectations, blowing them apart, and always in a way that is better. So let me me close with this last kind of surpassing expectations. Because right now, we are in a large part deprived of even the gift of the, the Eucharist. Now, sure, the, the celebration of the Eucharist goes on, and the priests are here. We're, we're doing as Jesus commanded us, and people are able to watch via live stream. But probably a lot of us might find ourselves in the place of, you know, the uh, apostles on the road to Emmaus. We had, we had hoped that Jesus' presence in the Eucharist would be our daily bread that would sustain us. And, and now <laughs> there's... There's this pandemic, and we, we can't receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And maybe our expectations are stuck in the past. That this is what I did every morning. I would go to daily Mass. This is what I looked forward to is the highlight of my week, to go to Mass on Sunday. And now I can't do it. I had hoped that that would be my routine for the rest of my life, and now our routine is blown apart, and we had hoped. Dot, dot, dot. Well, maybe we too have an opportunity, like those disciples on the road to Emmaus, to say, God is not bound by just the way he has worked in the past. God gives us incredible grace through the Eucharist, no doubt, source and and summit of our our faith, because it's Jesus himself. But 
Much as the apostles would say, having Jesus himself present is the best thing we can imagine. Well, Jesus blew that apart by giving him the Eucharist and said, no, I don't even need to be here anymore if you've got the Eucharist because you've got me in a way that's way better than you expected. Well, maybe Jesus during this time of pandemic can even do us one better than that. Maybe he can give us not only the grace that we would get from the Eucharist, which the church teaches is totally possible. It's a principle of sacramental theology. Deus non allegator sacramentis. God is not bound to the sacraments. So maybe God will even surpass our expectations and give us not only the grace that, that would be present in the Eucharist, but maybe even more graces than that. In fact, I would, I would propose that there is some grace available in this time of pandemic that is only available now. The, the grace of the Eucharist, we, we pray that the pandemic will end and it will come back and we will all go back to receiving the Eucharist, hopefully more reinvigorated and in love with God in the Eucharist. Good. But that grace is for another day because we don't have it now. But let's not miss what we have right now, a grace that is only given at this time. So are we perhaps sad? looking downcast right now, like Cleopas and this, this other one. Okay, good. I, I'm actually edified by that, that we are sad that we can't receive the Eucharist. I have a friend who every day, her routine is to ride her bike to church and look at Jesus in the, the window in the monstrance. And she told me how this is really troubling her. She is really sad not to be able to receive the Eucharist. Okay, let's, let's acknowledge that. Let's bring that to the Lord. But then let's open our eyes, as it were, to say that, is there another way that maybe Jesus is, in fact, walking right with us, and we just don't realize it because we're so stuck on, we were hoping. Well, maybe let's let go of what we were hoping for. Let's, let's take it one day at a time and see, Lord, how are you walking with me today? And when we see it, we say with those first disciples, stay, Lord, just stay. That's a good prayer. And if we do that, well, then we need not worry about what we had been hoping for, because Jesus will surely be there if we just let go of expectations and take it one day at a time.